here's a quick one out of Proverbs 23 before we get into today's text. Verses 10 and 11. Do not remove the ancient landmark, nor enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is mighty. He will plead their cause against you. Okay, that's a good one. So um, let's see. What do I do? Um, I wake up a little bit late. So I tell the boss... I had car trouble, or um, I backdate my reports to to cover my tracks, or um, I take a buddy to lunch and then I charge it to my business account. Wake up late, backdate my reports, take a buddy to lunch. Wake up late, backdate my reports. Um, Lie, cover, deceive. Lie, cover, deceive. Maybe those would be avoidable sins, you know, in, in your mind. And but yet, I think some people think that they're absolutely necessary today. Today, I want to start a brand new series um, then, and, and, and talk about maybe what we would call required sins. Required sins. And, and some of you are saying, like, what, what do you mean? Oh, well, hold on a minute here. What? I, this is my first day in this church. I'm not sure I like this very much from here. Um, what's a required sin? Well, um, you know, I, I think today in our world there are sins. There's a category of sins that most everybody would agree those are wrong. They're always, always wrong. No one would disagree with you. Like, for example, rape, always wrong, never an exception. Murder, that's wrong. Stealing, wrong. But unfortunately, today in our culture, there is also another category of sins that some people would say, well, those are you know, I don't know, because they're kind of acceptable. They're not as big a deal. And so, in fact, they even are a little bit respectable. And um, so some might say that they're actually required. You got to do those things in life. And, and even though they might be acceptable or required in some, some fashion, in some, by, by some viewpoint, it doesn't mean that they're right in the eyes of our Lord and in the eyes of God. So over the next four weeks, I want to take a look at um, four pretty ordinary sins and, uh, and see what the word says about them. And once it, many times we would just rationalize and say, well, that's just kind of part of doing life. And uh, we're going to look at them, though, from God's perspective. And each week, though, as we start, I want to start with a, a very powerful prayer. Of, I, want to, I want us to pray it together, a very powerful prayer that David prayed. prayed and we'd find this in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And so I'm going to ask, I'm going to put this up and ask you, if you're comfortable, to read this scripture out loud with me and allow this to be the prayer of our hearts. Okay. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. God, I just pray today that if there are things in us that offend you, that you would lead us, Lord, into a place of light and truth and everlasting life. Point out the things, Lord, that just just offend you. And I, I know that this was a prayer that David wrote, God, and, and he wrote it because he knew that in, in down somewhere in the resource, re, just recesses of our hearts that there could be a place where wickedness just could kind of just be stuck back in a corner somewhere. So Lord, lead us to a path of everlasting life. Now, I want to um, introduce this first topic and um, tell you about this old preacher's trick. 
um, that maybe you've seen it in action before. Maybe you've been the victim of it. Um, I, I will tell you this, and I call it a preacher's trick because I don't, I'm not, I don't really agree with it. I mean, I see the point that can be made by doing this, and I want to tell you I don't particularly agree with how far I've seen this one taken because I think it's gone, it, it could cross a line of trust between a church and their pastor. So I, I don't do this kind of trick. I'll do tricks. You know, I will trick you sometimes. I'll get you to raise your hand and I'll make fun of you for that. And, or I'll make fun of you if you don't. You know, so this is a no-win scenario sometimes for you. But I want to say this particular trick, it just a little bit, went a little bit too far. And I heard about this when another preacher, I, heard a, I was listening to this other preacher preach, and he shares this, how this, he, it, he experienced it personally. And um, I thought, wow, okay, I don't know, too much. So, but anyway, here's the deal. So um, he's, this, this, this preacher that, that was telling the story um, was in his early 20s, college age, and he, was, he hadn't really understood what a relationship with God was. He was going to church because it was the right thing to do. He was kind of a good person. He tried to do the right thing, but he was still thinking that having a right relationship with God meant doing the list of things correctly. So he was going to church, doing the right thing, trying to do the right thing. And um, the pastor says, hey, um, at, at the end of the sermon, he says, hey, next week, um, I got some homework for you. Would you please read Mark chapter 17 before next Sunday? So make sure you read that. Okay, dismissed. Off he goes. So he's thinking, yeah, okay, I can read a chapter out of the Bible. You know, give, you gave me the address. I can get there. I'll do it. Monday comes. Too busy. Forgot. You know, Tuesday, things going on. Life's busy. Means to, intends to, never quite gets there Thursday, Friday, Sunday morning arrives, hasn't done it. Pastor opens up, starts preaching, and he says, okay, just by curiosity, how many of you did your homework? You read Mark 17, and he, he looks around and only, you know, for some reason, he, 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 he hasn't read it, but he, was, he had intended to read it, so when he thought, well, I'm, my heart was there, so even though I didn't read it, I'm going to stick my hand up, so he puts his hand up, and only two other people in the room put their hand up. And now he's, now the pastor says, wow, I can't believe only three of you did this. I'm a little bit surprised by that, but I want to honor the three who did that. So would you please stand to your feet? So he stands up. Now let's thank them and, uh, and appreciate them for doing this. So he does this and they all clap and, and they're thinking, wow, that's pretty cool. You know, oh, you slackers. I did my homework. What's wrong with you? And, and, and the pastor then says, you know, just because we haven't done it, let's, 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 do, let's get caught up on our homework. Let's turn in your Bible and there's one in your pew if you don't have one to Mark 17. So he reaches and grabs this pew Bible, Mark 14, 15, 16, Luke chapter 1. 16, 1. Hey, somebody stole, stole this out of my... Right? And the pastor says, there is no Mark 17. My sermon today is on lying. <laughs> oh, man. I... <laughs> I mean, that's more than just a lie. A lie in church is like a lie on steroids, my dear. You're gonna lie. <laughs> and I'm, I don't know. I mean, if 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 I had fallen for something like that, because I would have done something. I would have raised my hand. I mean, tell me, did you never ever in high school your your, your preacher your your teacher said who did the assignment? Did you not fail to raise your hand? Everybody raises your hand, even though you. Oh, you all did, you were honest. And said, okay, so, I mean, I, I have fibbed before. And I'm going to be generous to myself and use the word fib because it seems nicer, doesn't it? So I'm going to be nice and gentle to myself, but say that, you know, this story kind of puts a chill down my spine because it could have been me. 
I could have been busted like that, and, and, and it would have been humiliating, and oh, just, it's terrible. So today, I, I want to I talk about lying. And lying is like, you know, it's one of the first things that we learn to do. It's not like, you know, you never have to take your little child, your little toddler, and say, hey, sit down, because today I'm going to teach you your first lesson. I'm going to teach you how to lie. You don't have to do that with little kids. <laughs> they, have you ever, I mean, you've had this experience probably. They show up, they come in, they come in and there's this chocolate everywhere. <laughs> you said, don't eat the cookies, and they said, okay. And then a little while later, they come in, and there's chocolate all over. It's on their hands, it's on their shirt. And you say... Have you been into the cookies? No. Come on. I mean, you don't have to teach little children. We're, it's almost like we're kind of, it's hardwired into who we are. It's hardwired part of our sinful nature. Just a lie. And the thing is that we kind of laugh about this, you know, and admit to doing it even because... At, a, at some level, it's acceptable in our society, in our culture, but it doesn't mean it's acceptable to the Lord. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Our God hates lying. He hates it. He hates it. Proverbs 12:22 says this, "The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth." The Lord detests lying lips. The Hebrew word that's been translated there, um, detests, means something disgusting. In fact, it means an abhorrence. In fact, it actually means something that causes nausea. And I'm trying to not say the word vomit, okay? (laughs) I'm not doing very well. That was a little lie, wasn't it? Because I just actually said the word on purpose. And some of you are going with me and others are kind of puzzled right now. But God is saying that it literally makes him sick to his stomach. And it's a strong word. And I, I don't know why it has that reaction in heaven, in his soul. I mean, I don't know if God has a soul or not, but I mean, why it has that kind of reaction to him. Maybe, I think this is an opinion, but maybe we see a hint in John chapter 8, um, verse 44. It says this, says, Satan was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he, when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. There is no truth in him. Part, he kind of, a partial truth apparently is not a truth. A, a, a half-truth is actually not the truth. And when the enemy of your soul is telling you those partial truths, they sound appealing, they sound acceptable. You can buy into them. You can follow up them, but they're not the truth. There is no truth in the enemy, and, his, and one of his names is the father of lies. And I think many people would say, and it's just kind of a part of life. It's, it's, it's just kind of required. But God would say, no, it makes me sick. It just really does. So today, I want to talk about a couple of different things. I want to talk about how, how we lie, I mean, the ways that we lie, and then I want to talk about the why, the why that we lie and deceive other people. And I think that if, if, if we can get to the place in the privacy of our souls of being really transparent with the Lord and with ourselves, the Holy Spirit can do something fresh there. The Holy Spirit can do something different than what it was before you came in today. And um, I'm going to start with the how, and then we'll talk about the why. How do you lie? How do you lie? There's three different ways. The first one's pretty obvious. Second two might not be so obvious to some people. The first way is we lie to other people, to others. 
And the, Jeremiah says, um, in 9.5 says this, friend deceives friend and no one speaks the truth. We lie to other people. Now, the bad news, ladies, is that statistically, you lie on average three times a day. That's a thousand times a year, ladies, you lie. And guys, you can get smug right now if you want, right? But your moment's coming, right? <laughs> because guys, six times a day, twice as much as the gals. You know, instead of saying, I overslept, you, you, we say, oh, well, the traffic was so bad. I'm sorry I'm late. I was ready to be here on time. And, and you know, in defense of us guys, you know, I think sometimes we get in a position that we can't not lie. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on, think about it, guys. How many times does another guy say to you, hey, do these pants make my ankles look funny? Okay, that's, 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 a, that's a no-win scenario. I'm going to back out of that hole. So, so we sometimes lie to others. And, and some people never really think about this, but another way that we lie is we also lie to God. We don't just lie to people, but we lie to God. In Acts chapter 5, there's this interesting story, um, pretty amazing, where the believers, the church was just kind of in its infancy, and the believers, a bunch of them had said, you know, let's, let's go whole hog on this. And uh, they decided among themselves, we're going to sell everything we have, and we're going to use that to fuel ministry. We're going to take care of poor people, and we're going to give it all to them. And they all agreed. Nobody compelled them. Nobody required them. It wasn't a commandment. It was their free choice. And so they all went off and did that, except for this one couple whose names were Ananias and Sapphira. And they decided to just run a little bit loose with the truth on that. So they sold other stuff, but they, didn't give, they gave half of the dough they came up with and pretended that they were giving everything. And Peter, good old Pete, confronts them. And here's, here's what he says to them in Acts 5, verse 4. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to just human beings but to God. Not just to human beings, but to God. It's like somehow God isn't going to know when we've lied to him. And I, I read this, and I know that some theologians will extract from this story that if you are misrepresenting the truth to other Christians, that's the same as lying to God. I don't know about that. I, I just know that, that the more you learn to lie to other people, the more you learn to lie to God, the easier lying becomes. And before long, you're not just telling lies, but you're actually living a lie. And that's when darkness can start to get really, really, really dark. We lie to other people. We lie to God. And then a third way that we lie, and many people never think about this, is we also lie to ourselves. We deceive our, sometimes we deceive ourselves through and through. And I love this prayer of David in Psalm 119. And he, he appears to be grieving over something. And, and here's what he prays. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. And then verse 29 is really powerful. He prays. He says, keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. And thinking about the fact, confronting the fact that I actually could be lying to myself sometimes in my life and believing my own lies, it's, kind of, it's a little bit scary because, you know, I wonder how often I've done that. How often, Terry, have you done that? I mean, I, I know I have. I know I have. I, I think back to a time, I told you about this before, um, 
when I was in high school, and I don't know how much I went into detail on this um, topic, but um, you know, I, I got my hands on a little more alcohol than was legal for me to have, which was zero, right? Okay. And after a while, I decided in, in my generation, uh, marijuana was pretty prevalent. I don't know if it is anymore or not. I'm such an old guy. I have no idea what's going on out there now. Now, if you don't smile at me, you're going to give me a complex. Um, and um, so I started smoking pot a little bit. And I had friends around me who were go- actually good friends and loved me and cared enough about me to say, hey, you know what? You're different. You're changing. You have a problem. That wasn't one sentence. Those were... M- Multiple conversations. You're different than you used to be. You're changing. This change isn't good. You have a problem. Those are conversations we're having. And I'm thinking, I don't have any problem. I got control of this. I can stop this any time I want. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in my ministry today, you know, in my ministry, I encounter and work with people all the time who are saying those things to themselves and hearing those things from other people. And they just don't see how deceived that they are. It, it's, it's, it's particularly common in marriage tussles when there's a real problem in a marriage. You know, I'll hear a woman say, well, that guy, if he would just, these things would change, we'd be fine because that's the problem. Or she's got this going on and that, 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 that. And, and the truth is, you know, they don't realize, you know, and I end up saying this, you know, you're part of the problem. I, I, you are, you're part of it, and you're deceiving yourself if you think you're not, because if he changes everything, I mean, marriage can blow up, and you take this problem with you, you're going to have this problem again. You're part of the problem, and they're deceived, and they don't even see it. And one of my biggest concerns as a pastor that I could share with you, and, and I want to do this as humbly and as gently as I possibly can, is the, is, is the concern that there are people around me, even maybe in this room right now, who are deceiving themselves and lying to themselves about their standing with God. I'm not, I'm not pointing at anybody. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm not, I'm not, it's not my place to judge anybody's walk with the Lord. Or yours, by the way. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. But I, I know I'm sometimes talking to people who are saying, I'm really okay with God. And the reality is, they might believe that, but they're but, but some of the people sometimes that I talk to, I don't have anybody in mind in this room, by the way, okay? I never preach at a person. So if you're hearing something right now and you feel like, well, that's because we had a conversation this week. No, this message has actually been nine, 90% done, been done for weeks because I wanted it done before most of it, before I went on my, on my vacation. I, I'm, not, I'm not pointing this at anybody. If you're feeling something from the Holy Spirit, that could be the Holy Spirit, but I have not singled anybody out for this message. But... I mean, there could be people here who believe that they're fine with God. You're telling themselves that, but, they're, but you're not really, truly following the Lord. And that is a huge concern to me as a pastor, a generic concern that I walk with, that I run into people. I mean, there are times that I interact with people, and I can just tell that God's at work in their life. I mean, it doesn't matter the circumstances. Everything's not rosy. They could be in a horrendous storm, but there's some sort of evidence of faith there's some sort of evidence of, of punching through because of their walk with the king. He's reliable. He's a rock that doesn't change. And we sing those words in our songs. And, and, and I could just see the faith. And I know they're in pain, 
But their walk and, and their relationship with God is safe and secure, and he's going to see them through this, and they'll be fine. But there are others, and they'll be chatting, and I'll say, hey, um, so, but how are you doing spiritually? And, and they'll, they'll kind of sometimes I'll get eyes that kind of glaze over, and they'll talk about how busy they are, or, you know, they're just things going on in their life. And like I said before, I can't judge. It's not my place to judge. But the more I dive in, I, it's, it's almost tragic sometimes. You don't see any evidence of faith at work. You don't see any evidence of, of trust that God's going to carry them through. There's just, um, you know, there's no sense that they're being directed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that can scare me because I've seen people who are there and because I was there before. I was. I remember, I remember this time when I um, was still living at home and knock, knock, knock at the front door. And I'm thinking, okay, who's this going to be? And there are groups that come door to door and you don't really want to spend time at the door with them. And um, you never know what you're going to have on your hands. And I open the door. For some reason, I open the front door and it's these two guys. I didn't know who they were. They introduced themselves. They were pastors of a church up the road. I had heard about the church, hadn't been to it. And they basically were there to say, don't know if you go to church. We have a bus that comes by every Sunday. Glad to stop and pick you up and give you a free ride to church. You'd be welcome there. You know, just friendly, friendly guys, right? And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to have some verbal counter punches here. I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to tell these guys what. Now these are two adult men, and I'm probably 17. Really, really cocky. Okay, <laughs> so, um, just it's true, huh, mom? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Listen. Um, <clears throat> that's right. Don't don't lie. I mean, it's really true. So <clears throat> they basically make this invitation, and I said to them, the, I, I, "This is going to be a quote, but it's what the best I can remember." I said, "I'm really okay with God. My relationship with God is private. You don't need to be worried about that. Move along." I mean, basically, that's what I'm saying to these guys. And I was convinced, and I had no relationship with God. None. I went to church a few times in my life because it was Christmas. I heard about Jesus. We traded presents at Christmas time. Therefore, I'm worshiping Jesus, right? I mean, that's, that's what I thought and I believe. I'm born in America. That makes me a Christian. So my eternity is safe and secure. And um, that's really kind of where I was with these guys. And I really was deceived. I really was deceived. So John talks about this in 1 John, and he says this with a very sobering voice. Um, chapter 2, verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. How do we lie? We lie to other people. We lie to God, and we lie to ourselves. And, and, and I think that to overcome this, though, I really want to try to get to more of the heart of the matter, because talking about the ways that we lie, that's the easy part about this. That's easy to do. I want to raise the more difficult question and say, you know, why do we lie? Why do we lie? Because why is it that three or four or five or six or seven times a day, we, we find ourselves believing the lie that um, a lie would be better than the truth? Whatever it is that we're going to slip out those three to six times a day, why do we lie? I mean, for some of us, we might be into something that we would call, you know, make life easier lies, you know. Like we, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Um, I want to make myself look better. I want them to like me. So it'll make my life easier if I just kind of slip this a little bit 
um, sideways. For others, you know, because many times we'll start there, but then it begins to snowball. And the more we lie, the more we're tempted to lie. And then the more we really have a harder and harder time finding what true is, what the truth is. And before long, we're not just telling little lies. We're actually starting to believe those lies. And we start to live a lie. And then our life has very, very little integrity left in it. And, you know, there was a, there was a church that um, a number of years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, uh, had a website. And um, it provided a place for people to write in and put down these anonymous confessions. Anonymous. And um, I don't know if you'll remember it or not, um, but... It, got, it went viral. That was pretty, pretty notable, at least to people that I ran with you know, in the church leadership circles. They were kind of watching this thing. It was kind of interesting. And um, <clears throat> I remember, um, well, here, I've got three, three confessions that, um, that came off of that site that I thought maybe would really help us see some reasons that people lie. So I'm just going to read them to you. First one, and then this is a quote. My whole life, I've struggled with telling the truth. My problem is, now here's the reason why people lie. My problem is that I hate to disappoint people, so if I fail them, I lie about it. I also lie because I'm trying to impress people and to convince people to do something I want them to do. I've even lied to women in the past to get them to sleep with me. Okay, the next person says this. I pretend that everything in my life is perfect, but the truth is I hate myself, and most days I wish I would die. My family and friends don't have any idea no one knows that I think about killing myself every single day. That's tragic. Remember, these are anonymous. There's no reason for these people to embellish or to hold back. Third, third one, this third lady says this. My husband thinks I was a virgin when we were married. Not only was I not a virgin, but I had an abortion when I was 19. Now we can't get pregnant, and I'm afraid God is punishing me for my lies. Please pray for me. I don't know what to do. And you can hear the pain in these confessions, you know, where these people are stuck, where they're caught, you know, and, and they don't know how to get out of their lies. And what I want to ask you to do, and admittedly, this is maybe going to be a little bit challenging, and you may not be immediately able to respond or, you know, whatever, but I want you to ask yourself, why do I typically lie? Why do I, why, why is it that I believe in the moment that the lie that I'm going to spout is going to be somehow more effective than the truth. You know, think about it. I mean, some of you might say, well, I kind of do it to protect the feelings of other people, or um, I, I do it to make myself look better, or, I, or, or I, I did it because I wanted people to like me, or because I really don't like the truth. You know, so what I'm going to do is tell them that I think would be better or maybe it's because I want to impress people or um, I'm afraid of what people are going to think about me. And when we really get down to the root of this issue, it's this. I tend to think that my lie is better than the truth. It's better for me to lie and say, I don't know what happened to my friends instead of just saying, you know what? <laughs> I was so selfish. That was so wrong. And for whatever reason, we tell that lie. And the reason is because I think that my self-conceived lies are better than honoring God with the truth. And believing that, believing that the lies are better than the truth, believing that is one of the biggest lies ever. You know, 
think about the examples, like, for example, security. You know, I think it, it, if I lie, it's going to make me more secure. It'll protect me a little better. And the truth is, the more I lie, the more insecure I become. And the reason, is, the reason for that is that there's, there's no way for you to build a life of integrity on a foundation of lies, of untruths. So you just can't do that. You know, I think if I lie, I'm going to get more of what I want. The truth is, if I lie, I have less of what matters the most. I think if I lie, you'll like me more and we'll have a better relationship. The truth is we can't have any relationship at all, at all if it's going to be based on lies. So, so what do you have? I, I'm, I'm believing something untrue which steals from me the things that I desire the most. Because if we have, because our spiritual enemy, remember he's called the father of lies, he wants to keep us with more and more distance from the truth. He has a strategy and they keep you from the truth. So the more lies we believe and the more lies we tell, the less truth that lives inside of us. And we say to ourselves, you know, why do I lie? You know, so, so here's this imaginary, um, I'm going to try to give you a picture of this. Imagine, um, you know, God's over here and um, this is God's truth and we'll give it a capital T truth because Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Good for you. Okay, so we're going to say that's one of his names is truth. And um, over here is Terry's self-assessed truth about himself, okay? Not the one that I'm going to project that I want you to see who I am so that you'll like me and love me and respect me, but <clears throat> the one that I know about me. Okay, so I'm over here somewhere, and, um, and so I, I start to think, okay, there's this distance. But when I start to believe the truth about what Jesus says about me. Wait a second. You say this about me, and I start to believe this, is, this about me, I take a step closer to the truth. You catch that? When I start to believe that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, not because of what I've done, but because of the victory he has already won on the cross, I take a step closer to the truth. And I believe that his freedom, the one he won by having victory over the cross, sets me free the closer I am to the truth. When I believe that I am who he says he am, he says I am not who you say I am or who I say I am. When I believe that I am who he says I am, a step closer to the truth. And I get closer to the truth, not by what I do, but first by what I believe. Because our actions follow our beliefs. Simple, simple fact. So I step closer to this truth with a capital T. And suddenly I don't have to lie anymore because I'm closer to the truth. And rather than believing those lies, I realize that those lies don't help. They really, really don't help. So if it's every day, make life easier, little white lies, or, or if it's the you've been living a lie and people around you have no idea and you're weary because you're afraid you're going to be found out, all you really need to do to start with is start believing the truth, capital T. And when you believe you are who he says you are, you are closer to the truth. You're closer to the truth. And when you get closer to the truth, that truth sets you free. The truth sets you free. 
There's a promise. The truth sets you free. (laughs) So why do I lie? Mostly because I'm not believing a truth somewhere. Instead, I'm believing that my lies are better than living under the loving security of the one who loves me the most, the truth. And so today, when um, what I would want to do when I wake up and I put my feet on the floor, if I can shake the cobwebs loose and think rightly at the first moment, some, some of us takes a little longer. For me, sometimes take it. But when I wake up, I want to call on the Lord and say, Lord, today, help me to understand and to be who you called me to be. Tell me the truth, God. Help me to know the truth about you and what you say about me. Help me to believe the truth you say about me and overcome lies because I don't want to become the lies of the evil one. And the more I believe his truth, the closer I get to Jesus, the less I feel like I have to lie. The more I'm aligned with him, the more truth will set me free. And the same is true for you. The truth will set you free. Let's pray. Father, um, I pray today that by the power of your spirit that you would do a healing work in our lives. I don't, I don't say that about anyone, Lord. I just say that for all of us, we labor under this at times. And I just ask you, God, to forgive us those things. Forgive us those sins. Make us new, Lord. Transform us, Lord, I pray. By your grace, Lord, help us start to believe the truth so we can overcome the lies that bring bondage in our lives. And church, keep your eyes closed, please. Um, There are a couple of kind of confessions of truth that I want to pray about. The first is, you know, you confess to God and he forgives you. If you confess your sins, the word says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and and, uh, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I think that there could be people today who call on him in that way and you'll be saved because he's going to forgive you. There's another type of confession and that's we need to confess to God for forgiveness Maybe confess to people for healing. Confess sins to one another. James 5, I think it's 16, says, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. And if the Holy Spirit is leading you in something at some point, I I pray if he's leading you to stop lying, to start believing, and to confess that to somebody I just pray that the Lord will cover you and lead you in that and prepare your way and contain you and your circumstances and your relationship. So I, I, I'm not suggesting you go out right now and try to fix everything you've ever said that was not true. I think you need to let the Holy Spirit lead you in that. But start with yourself and with God. Because I think God is going to move people here to different types of confessions. I'm going to ask you just to simply admit that you lie. Confess it to yourself in him, and if you need to, to someone else. So Lord, God, um, this is hard for us because sometimes it keeps our life running smoothly to tell little lies. We think. We think that. And yet, it, your word says that it, you detest it. Not because of some legalistic expectation of perfection, but because you see that it just does something and it rots us from the inside out. It just, it destroys relationships. It it destroys trust. And so, Lord, forgive us when we do those things for the ones we've done. And, Lord, for sometimes just taking the easy way out. Help us, Lord, to know how to 
to be a people who walk with God-honoring integrity and love and sincerity and compassion. So Lord, and I want to pray now if there are people here who in response to the leading of your spirit are going to go to someone and say, hey, you know what? I want to just put something on the table that I've hidden from you. I've lied to you about it and I don't want to do that anymore. I'm asking your forgiveness, but I've been honest with you about something and here's what it is. That Lord, you would take that, protect it, hedge it, Lord. Not to protect the sin, but to protect the relationships. God, I pray that when the enemy will want to take that moment and cause an explosion, I, I pray the promise of Genesis 50:20, which is what the enemy intends for evil, you will use for good. Your word says not just that you detest the lying lips, but you love those who speak the truth. And so, Lord, let your love cover us and protect us. And I thank you, God, for the, with joy in my heart, I thank you that that's so true. And Lord, I pray for those promises just to rest upon your people today. In Jesus' special, precious name, amen.